So we're in our series, First Things First, and I, I want to do a little demonstration for you guys on the importance of, of having things in the, the right order. Um, I, I would hope that some of you guys were impacted by the message last week. I, I felt like we had a really good response overall um, of what it means to have God first in your life. Um, we talked about the first things first, that we're trying to reprioritize our life and that God needs to be number one. And the best way to keep him number one is to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And we talked about that that starts with falling in love with him at first, returning to our first love with him. Now, some of you were like, man, that was so exciting. And then you went through your week this week and you're like, I just don't know how to make it work. Or it felt like life was a little bit too full. And so I want you to picture like one of these buckets being your life, right? And you can see this bucket is, is full of some sand and some gravel and a lot of dust. It's probably not good for my lungs. Um, but, but it's pretty full. And as we go through this series, we're going to talk about other things in our lives that we need to make our first priority. And this feels like your life. You probably like, okay, I do want to squeeze more God in. And so you, you're like, okay, I got to get God first in my life. And you, you know, you try and fit him in there. And then we're going to talk about other things and you're going to try and squeeze all these things into your life, and you're going to be like, it's, it's a little bit too full, right? And, and things are going to fall off of your life because you're like, I can't keep that up. I, it just falls out of the bucket of my life, and, and I can't handle having all of these things going on right now. And, you know, the sad thing is the, you know, the last things to come in are usually the first things to go. So all these priorities we talk about this year, all of these good things that we're going to start doing, are going to be the first things to go because our life feels too full. But, guys, if we can figure out how to put things in in the right order, we take care of those first things first in our lives, it's really not as bad as it seems. Because you can actually have all of that life that's going on and actually all fit in your bucket pretty easily. But if you don't put things in in the right order... It's not going to fit, right? And that's the importance of our First Things First series that we're going through is, man, I want you to live a full life, right? And I want you to have everything fit. But when we don't start with the right things, when we don't rearrange our lives, we, we try and take our life that's already full and, and add all this good stuff to the top, it's not going to work. It means taking it all over, digging deep into your life this week and over this series and going, okay, what do I need to rearrange in my life to make sure that these first things are first so that my life fits. Because to be honest, I, I mean, I think we all run around life a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit too full, and it's because we don't prioritize things correctly. You know, this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6, when he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. This is the example of that. When you prioritize things correctly and you put the kingdom of God first and then you live righteously, in other words, you live the best you can in the way that he's corrected and instructed us to, everything else will fit. Everything will come into order. Like I said, we're in our series, First Things First, right? And I want to start off 2024 by looking at how to put our priorities into the right place. Last week, like I said, we talked about putting God number one and falling in love with him first. Right? Loving him with our, our heart and our soul and our strength. That we ended service being reminded of our first love and, and digging back into that. And today we're going to talk about something that I call um, 
automating the important. Right? We want to implement the habits of Christ so that our souls will love God. Last week it was about loving God with our heart. You know, and this week it's what are those things that it takes, those habits that we need to build to love God with our soul and our strength. Did you guys know that 45% of your daily awake behaviors are automatic? Right? They're just habitual things that you do. Right? And I think that's part of the reason why our lives fill up so fast. Because right? 45% of it is happening without you really noticing. Right? Every, one out of every two minutes, roughly, you are doing something that you are not even fully aware of. Now, wouldn't it be great if that 45% that you weren't aware of, you were not seeking to do, was automatically prioritizing your life correctly? Right? Instead of just filling up space that we didn't want it to fill? This is why habit forming is important. Right, if half of your awake life is spent automatically, wouldn't you want it to put God first? Now, replacing habits with better ones is hard. Right? Warren Buffett said, the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they are too heavy to be broken. Um, you know, and that's why it, this isn't an easy work in your life, to, to rearrange things and to put things into place, but it is an important work. Habits are stored in the deepest part of our brains. Right? If you um, have ever been... Um, you know, gone through a, a really major trauma of some sort or, or alongside someone with major trauma in their life where they don't, you know, maybe they went, went into a coma or some bad accident and they come back through. Um, often they still have habits and things that, routines from their life that they learned before. They may not know who they are anymore. They may not have their memory anymore, but they often will want to do things at the same time that they used to do or they know this, this TV show is on at the same time that they used to always watch. You know, or those type of things because they're deep, deep in our brain. Now, cravings are our brain's motivator to learn new habits. All right? For something to become a habit, our brain must crave it first. And that's why it starts first with falling in love with God, right? These habits are not going to come easy for you if you don't actually want to be with God. And that's what starts first there, falling in love. All right? And so as we go through this uh, message today, I'm going to talk about these good habits we need to have, and then some helpful practical tips to like use the tools in our lives to build these habits um, and help us automate the important. Now, when you're building a habit, it's three simple steps that you need to you know, be aware of. First, you need a cue. You need something to remind you or to trigger that, like, hey, I'm supposed to do this thing now. You need a routine. This, you do it the same way, the same time. You know, it's a, an activity or emotion or behavior in response to the cue. And then there needs to be a reward, right? Just like uh, when you're training a puppy um, to learn something, they, you know, they sit and you give them a treat, right? And you need to kind of do that for yourself, you know? Do your devotions, have a Scooby snack. Uh, but, you know, but it is how our brain begins to determine whether or not this habit is beneficial for us is that there's something that we gain from that. And guys, I can guarantee that spending time with God is going to be beneficial, and your brain will recognize that. Right? There's no greater reward than the presence of God in our lives. So um, if you want to turn with me to Acts 2, or open your Bible app to Acts 2, um, 41 through 47, the words will be on the screen. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's five practices, five things that these um, early disciples of the church devoted themselves to that are mentioned in this um, section of scripture. They they were devoted to going to some sort of church service like we have today. They worshiped together, they received a teaching, they fellowshiped, they prayed together. It says they were devoted to that. They were also devoted to some sort of daily Bible study and daily prayer times. They were devoted to meeting in homes and eating together with the other people following Christ. So they were devoted to enjoying the favor of God and of people. And they were devoted to giving and to taking care of each other's needs. Now, we're going to look through those five things and, and see what it looks, for us, looks like for us to be devoted to that. But first, let's look at the word devoted. The word devoted means to give all or a large part of one's times or resources to a person, activity, or a cause. In the Greek, that word devoted in Acts 2 there, it means a steadfast commitment. This means that they do it even when they don't feel like it. When you get married, it's a steadfast commitment. Not only do I get the privilege of loving Victoria when I feel like it, I get the privilege of doing it when I don't feel like it. Because we're in a steadfast commitment. We wouldn't be very devoted to each other if we only did marriage stuff when we felt like it. The other time I was like, I don't know if I'm married today. I don't feel like it. You'd be like, not very devoted. (laughs) Uh, There's some other problems we probably need to talk about. But I think this is the difference between why the first church grew so fast that 3,000 people were added to their things and that daily people were being added because they were actually devoted. Right, listen to some of these statistics about the average churchgoer. The average churchgoer today considers attending three out of every eight church services regular attendance. Of all religious people they surveyed, only 25% attended weekly. Sounds like devotion to me, you know. But what if you only went to work three out of every eight shifts? Right? be real nice, but you probably actually wouldn't make it to the eighth. You just wouldn't have a shift, you know? What if you only fed your children three out of every eight meals? Right? You know I mean? They probably survive. Like, you go a while without food. Some of you fasting know that right now, right? But you probably not have your kids, you know, after a while. We've got to be, like, a little bit more devoted. Right? Now, 80% of Christians say that they pray at least daily. Like, that's a pretty good, but I mean, it's prayer. Why can't that just be 100%? Right, like when you think of something that a Christian should be doing, you think prayer. Right, and we don't even nail that at 100%. One in eight Christian adults say that they don't ever read the Bible. One third of Christians say they read their Bible every day. Right, when you see those statistics, you're kind of like, wow, good for that third, man. It's pretty good odds, but like, it's a pretty clear thing to do that we should be doing as Christian. Only a third do it every day. Half of Christians say they do it a few times a week. 30% of churchgoers church do not give regularly to their church or any other charity. Only around 5% of churchgoers tithe 10% or more. 
and that doesn't sound like devoted to me. Right? There's a big difference between the early church we just read in Acts and the devotion of uh, the world today around us. Right now, if God is first, and God is, if God is my first love, then I better be devoted to him more than any other thing. Right? If I can make it to all my work shifts so I don't lose my job, then I should be able to make it to church. If I can be devoted to paying my bills on time, right, so I don't lose Netflix, I can probably become a regular giver. If I can be devoted to the TV shows I like, then I should be able to make time for prayer or Bible study or a community group. See, the problem is not that we can't be devoted people. We are devoted to things. It's just that we're not devoted to the right things, to align with the correct priorities. So we're going to dig into these things and see how we can make them a habit. It's kind of weird to me that we've actually declined from the beginning to this. I mean, it makes sense things deteriorate over time, but like we have some of the best tools right now at our disposal to be able to build these habits and to, to do all these things that we're supposed to be devoted to. So I think that it can be something that will take some work, but it's something that is very doable. Now, honestly, I don't think our Sunday church services here in America look a lot like the first church times. And um, sometimes I wrestle with that, but sometimes I realize, like, that was brand new, and we have grown into something that I do think is beneficial, right? Um, when we come to church together on a Sunday morning, right, we, we receive regular teachings, which we saw that they were devoted to. We get to worship together, which is important. And fellowship, when you meet with other Christians and and share about life and what's going on and hearing from them, those things are important. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, in previous messages, I've discussed, you know, that if you want to see where someone's values lie, if you want to see where someone's priorities are, that you can look at their life in three different places and get a pretty good idea of them and what they value and what they prioritize. Um, nowadays, you can scroll someone's social media right, and, and see what they're talking about, see the things that they share, see where they've been, how much time they spend on social media, and it'll show you a lot of things about someone's life. Right? But besides social media, you can also look at somebody's calendar. Right? And maybe not a physical calendar. Most of us don't carry those anymore. But if you actually just look at somebody's schedule, what they do in a week, what they do in a year, and you'll see the things that they're devoted to. Because right, it's the things that they consistently make time for, the things that are important enough to write down or to make an appointment in your phone. And we're going to talk about the third place in a second, but I want you to know that today will probably involve making some room in your calendar. And I also want you to know that you have time in your schedules to come to church every week. It's roughly 2% of your week. 2%, guys. That is... That is minuscule, right? And we don't even have that long of church services. I'm going longer today to make a point. Um, but, <laughs> no. Um, but, guys, even if you come early, because you should be coming early for donuts and coffee and talking and, and fellowshipping and staying after for a little bit or grabbing other people and going to lunch with them or something, like, even if you blocked out that whole time every Sunday morning, it's still a very, very, very small part of your week. And we should be making it happen. Right now, coming and hearing teachings are important, and not just because I'm writing them. I do think I do a decent job, but 
The purpose of that is because it helps us keep moving together in unity. Right? When you miss a, a chunk of weeks or different things happen, that you, then you don't always understand where we're headed as a body. Right? It keeps us from moving in one vision, but it also keeps us encouraged. It keeps us built up to get through our week. You know how often I have people come say to me, like, you've never taught about this. Or, you know, you know maybe you should do a message on this thing. And I'm like, no, actually, I've, I have. You just weren't there that week, you know. And uh, you told me you listened to it online, but now we know. Uh, <laughs> right? But it, it happens often that, that we just, things get missed when we miss those things. And yes, you can hop online and catch, you know, on Facebook or YouTube or our podcast and get caught up on things when you miss them. But that shouldn't be the, the main source of what church is. There's more to it than just catching the teaching. Right? There's a trend happening where people just have stopped attending church in person because you can watch online. And right, like, why not? Right? You can stay in pajamas. You don't have to do your hair or shower. And um, you can still do church. Like, that's a pretty cool thing, um, except for it's not the same. Right now, we offer it out there because it's one of the best ways for new people to be able to see what's going on in here and feel comfortable when they come in. It's also a great opportunity for us to be able to continue to stay connected when we do have to travel for work or um, you get sick or something out of your control happens. But teachings weren't the only thing they were devoted to. It was to coming together. We should be joining together in song. There's something amazing that happens when you hear a room full of people praising God together. Right, just like at the end of worship where the instruments died out and you could just hear the voices of the kids and the adults and everybody singing together. That's some of my favorite times of worship. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. This was a verse that was directed to a church, to everybody to come together and sing psalms and hymns and songs to God. Psalm 95, 6 says, come, let us worship and bow down. Right? Together, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We are commanded and asked to worship together, to sing songs with thankful hearts and worship the Lord. But on top of all that, one of the best parts of church is meeting together and fellowshipping with one another. Right? It's why we, we invest in coffee and donuts for you guys. Because it's part of the most, one of the most important parts of the community of gathering is coming early and fellowshipping with one another and catching up on each other's lives and, and you know, asking about each other's weeks and knowing how to pray for each other. It was something that they were devoted to. It's actually mentioned four times in that Acts 2 verse there. Four times they were devoted to gathering together. So let's not neglect meeting together, but instead make it a habit. Now, you can automate this as something important in your life by setting your alarm. You know, you can set an alarm that's specifically for Sundays to go off in enough time to be here for coffee and donuts. Uh, It's not too hard to do. If you need help setting alarms, we'll help you. You know, figure, okay, this is what time I need to drive there and get dressed and then add like a half an hour because you know you're going to hit the snooze button. Right, But set that. I have alarms set for every day of my week because it just helps me to keep my like, things going normal and they change depending on my days. And because right, I, I want these things are important to me to get up and make it to work and to do my devotions in the morning and see my kids off to school and 
I want to be able to do all those things, so I set an alarm for it because it's important. Right? And so set an alarm that goes off every week. But also block out the time in your calendar. Right? So when you go to schedule something, you see, I have church Sunday. Right? So it should be something we're devoted, and it should be something that's important to us. Yet many of us go, well, you know, I, there's nothing on my Sunday. I can schedule that. Or I can do this or that. And we don't actually have it blocked out. So it becomes easy to just pass up. Right? Did you know that if you, I don't know, if you have a smartphone and you put in the address and tell it to remind you, it'll remind you when it's time to leave. That way you don't even show up late. How awesome is that? All right? I think a few of you guys could probably use that. Uh, just to say, I, mean, I sit up here on worship and I look out and it's, it's never this full when we start, okay? Um, you know, just some helpful tips. You're like, man, we don't do enough worship songs. I was like, we actually do a lot before you come. Uh, <laughs> no, but, you know, and then you don't miss out on coffee and donuts. It's just, it's important. So do those things, right? Help yourself build right habits so that your subconscious self is choosing God first. Secondly, they were devoted to daily getting more of God. Right? They did this through Bible reading, through praying and fellowshipping. Right? This is something that they learned from walking with Jesus. In Luke 11, 1, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he knows that Jesus had a certain place that he would pray. They knew this. They knew that he would go to a certain place every time of, you know, every certain time of day and pray. Right? He often went to the mountains, the Garden of Gethsemane. They knew his normal places that he daily would wake up for. There's other verses that says that he woke up before there was light to pray. Right? And he didn't even have like a fancy alarm clock like we have these days. But he had developed a daily prayer time in a certain place with God. Matthew 6, 6 says, but when you pray... Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Right? I love Jesus here in this thing because he doesn't say, he doesn't command them to go pray. He says, and when you pray, because that's what's expected out of Christians, that you will be going to pray. Right? And when you do, set a certain time at a certain place and spend that time in prayer. And God who sees you will reward you. Right, to automate this, set a daily alarm. Right, we've been talking about um, our, our list of we want people praying for our church at different times of the day. I have an alarm set at 12.15 that goes off every day that says, hey, pray for the church. Right, and I, like, you can set that, you can title your alarms. Hey, dummy, spend time with Jesus. Uh, right, whatever, just set an alarm and, and label it to pray so that it reminds you every day. We just finished up a series on prayer and why it's important and how to implement it in your life. And if you want to dig deeper into that and you missed that series, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. Now, in Scripture, you won't find the disciples spending every morning reading their Bible or going through a nice um, daily bread devotional book along with their Bible because uh, the Bible wasn't readily available to them like we have it today. Right? It was all in scrolls, each book in its own scroll kept in the temple. And so they actually, to get Bible reading every day, they daily went to the temple to hear the scripture reading. Right? Imagine instead of being able to get up in the morning and make coffee and sit in your PJs at the kitchen table or on the couch or the toilet, right, to read your Bible, you had to walk to the temple 
Hey, do you see how much easier we have it? And they were so much more devoted to it. They also would memorize large portions of scripture because they were directed, and we are directed, to meditate on it day and night, to think about it throughout our day. Joshua 1.8 says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Do you see these promises of if you meet regularly with God, if you set aside a certain place at a certain time to sit in private with God, then he who sees you will reward you. That if you continually get into the book of instruction and hear his words to you, then you will prosper and succeed. Doesn't that sound just like Jesus saying, if you get things put in the right order, everything else will be added to you. Guys, we have the Bible so conveniently. Right, like I have the Bible here, I have the Bible here, right? And it, like every version that I could ever want, right? Like the couple taps on my fingertips. Yet we don't read it every day, right? Some of us don't even know it well enough to meditate on it. Do you know that there's places in the world where people still die from just trying to read the Bible, and yet they read their Bible? Right? And if that makes you feel a little guilty, you probably should. Um, you know, I'm not here to shame you, but if the Holy Spirit does. No, uh, I met a man once that in a place that it's not easy to come by the Bible, whose Bible was made up of different pieces of other people's Bibles. Because they would, people would sneak in a Bible, and the, the group that was there in that meeting, they would tear it apart so that they could each have another chapter of the Bible that they don't have. And so his Bible was just like a folder with all of these different pages and different sizes pieced together, and it was the most valuable possession that he had. And it's a great blessing that we are able to own multiple copies of the Bible, to be able to take it everywhere with us and not have to hide it. People have died for you to have that Bible in the way that you have it. Read it. Apply it. Let it change your life. And so how do we automate this as a habit? Well, if you have a smartphone and you haven't downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, you should. Um, it's the main way you type in Bible. It's the first one that pops up. Um, but there are a lot of things there that you can do to help you get into a regular rhythm of reading your Bible. They have tons and tons of devotional plans and reading plans. Um, I really like the uh, Bible in a Year plan by, I think it's by Life Journal. Um, it mixes up each day, so you're not just reading like four chapters in a row of like genealogies through the Old Testament. Um, you get like a chapter of that and a Psalm and a New Testament and, and different things and it. it helps you to read through the year. I read through it um, like eight years in a row, picking a different translation each year. Um, but maybe like that seems like a lot. You can pick something less lofty if you wanna start somewhere. I would encourage you to pick at least a 40 day plan. They have different links um, just because that will help you build the habit. Now, if it's your first time deciding to read the Bible regularly, choose a version that's easy to read, right? If you open up the King James Version or the Pirate Bible, uh, like, you'd be like, I don't understand what this means because you're, you'd be reading, it'd be like you deciding to choose Spanish and you don't speak Spanish, you know, or something. You'd be like, this, I have to learn a whole other language to be able to understand this. Pick something that's easier. Pick something like the NLT or the New Living Translation uh, that, that is simplified and easy for you to read to get into at first. 
And then what's crazy is you can set a time for your Bible app to remind you to read. When you start a Bible plan, it would be like, would you like to set a reminder? And you're like, no, I can do this all on my own. Don't. You can't. Okay? Say yes. Let it help you. And what's even great, if you set that at the same time or five minutes after your prayer time, then you will pray. Then it will pop up and say, read your Bible. And you're like, oh, yes, yes, I'm already sitting here in a certain place at a certain time. Why wouldn't I read the Bible? Um, Some things to help you read while you're on your phone. Put your phone in airplane mode. Because you know for sure you're going to get a notification and you'll be like, I started reading the Bible and now I've been on Facebook or TikTok for like one hour. Uh, Right? You can set up on most smartphones, you can set up for it to automatically do that for you. When I open my Bible app, it puts it in Do Not Disturb. Uh, And it took a little while to figure out it's not too hard, but it's worth it because I don't find myself wandering away from it when I'm using it now. Try different places in your house. You know, some people want to sit at a table or a desk. Some people want a comfy chair or on their patio or some people find it best in their bedroom. Whatever works for you, but try it until you find a place that's like, this is my certain place that I can get to every day. You know, maybe it's a a spot at work that you know that it'll just be you in there at that time and you can get there and do it at that time, right? You can try with music, try without music. Just try things till it feels right for you, right? It's okay to start with small goals, right? Start with, you know, a couple verses and a minute of prayer or something, but plan for it to grow. Don't just stay there. Imagine your habit shifting from you picking up your phone instead of all of a sudden ending up scrolling social media, you end up reading the Bible. Isn't that like where we should be and what we would like to do? There's a lot of great devotional books out there as well. Um, At the Resource Center, we have one called The Daily Bread. You can use that if you, like, I'd just rather have a physical Bible and a physical devotional book to help me with that. Uh, We have those that are free, but there's a lot you can pick up as well. Um, So, you know, maybe, like, I just need to get away from the distraction of my phone. That's a great option as well. Um, Another great thing you could do in the Bible app is you can go through Bible plans with other people to help hold you accountable. Uh, Victoria and I have done them. We've done them in small groups. We've done them in ministry teams. We've done them as a church. Um, the best part is you can do them anywhere and at a time that works for you. Um, you know, it's like, man, I'd love to do a devotion plan with each one of you, but I can't meet with all of you, but we can do one together. And I can hop on there and read it at my certain place in time, and you can do it at your certain place in time, and yet we're still growing and fellowshipping together. Um, we do have a 40-day Bible plan picked out to do as a church. Um, there's a great place to start. Maybe you're like, ah, This has been too much for me. I'm already overwhelmed at making a decision. Open the Church Center app, like um, Mason was sharing with you, um, or scan the QR code in front of you, and you'll find the link. We're going to start tomorrow, a 40-day plan together, uh, and uh, join us in that and going through it with us. Now, the early church was also devoted to meeting in homes and eating together. This is one of my favorite things that we get to be devoted to, um, because I like eating and being with people. But it ties us back to the first one, right? Fellowship was mentioned four times. It's important. Us getting together in community and building relationships is something we need to make a habit of. It needs to be something that's a priority in our life. It's a core value of our church to have community. Right? We need to be doing that outside of Sunday mornings. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
Right? Genesis 2.18 says, it is not good for man to be alone. Right, guys, we were made for community. We are best together. We are strongest together. Now, we have community groups for this very reason, where you can be joining and partnering with other people at a regular time throughout the month. Um, you can find them in our church center app under the, the group tab. Um, there's a whole list of them. We have them from different stages in life for, um, you know, whether you're married or you're single or you're a young adult um, or you're man or woman or we have some um, specific to um, hobbies and things that people like to do. And the purpose of community groups is just to gather together to get to know each other, to build connections, to have conversations. And uh, if it involves food, right, it's even better. Maybe you're like, none of the ones that are out there really fit my needs or aren't really on a day that I can make it. Consider hosting one. Right? Again, all it takes is you opening your home or having an interest. I want to you know, do a group that walks together once a week or whatever it is, you can make that group. Um, there's a sign-up in the Church Center app um, for that if you're interested in hosting a group. But this is something the world is missing, Community. Right, actual face-to-face -face discussions, building relationships. It's also a really great way to bring unbelievers in, right? to invite them to just come to your house and hang out with some other Christians and have conversations that will lead to Jesus. If you haven't joined a community group yet, consider joining one. Um, I've, we preach here that we believe that growth happens most when you get devoted to a group of people. Right? When you start taking responsibility for not just your walk, but the walk of the people around you and wanting to help them out and be there for them. So automating the important for this one is going to come from choosing a group. Right? Putting it in your calendar so that every time it meets, you know you have it blocked, you have it open. Um, right? So you don't just, oh, I forgot again and showed up. It's like, you didn't forget to go to work today. So I, make that time. Get in a group. Join that thing. The next thing that we need to make room for in our calendar is room for rest. Um, as I was put in Acts 2, it says, they enjoyed the blessing and the favor of God and people. This is what we refer to maybe in like the Christianese as a Sabbath or taking a Sabbath rest. Um, it's a really deep topic. Um, we really don't have time to get all the way in there, and we will um, eventually this year. But Pastor Mason spoke last year on Sabbath. If you want to look back and hear something. But in the beginning of the Bible, we have the creation story. Um, how many of you guys grew up in church, went to Sunday school or things? Okay. What was created on the sixth day of creation? See why you guys need to read your Bible? Uh, somebody said it, I think. Man. Yeah. Man and woman was created on the sixth day. Now, what did God do on the seventh? Rest in. You guys know about resting, huh? Um, right, this is crazy. And then God gave mankind a job to do, to work the garden, to name the animals, and all that stuff. The first task man was given was to rest with God. You see that? That we were created, and the very next thing we did was we rested with God. And then he sent us to work. Right, we were created to work from a place of rest, not to Rest if we rest from our work. In Mark 2, 27, Jesus says, um, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. 
right? Implementing a Sabbath rest is to meet our deepest needs that we were created with. We were created to need a cycle of rest, to get an adequate time away from working and all these things to just enjoy the, the blessings and the favor of God and people. I think it's important to have in our calendar to spend time doing this. When we choose to prioritize rest, it's choosing to give our time to God as an offering for what he has done for us. Right? As a dad, I love when my kids choose to enjoy their life. Right? Instead of complaining about not having a new toy or, or being upset about that, when they choose to just enjoy what they have, I love that. Right? If it's things that I've given to them or that the life I've created for them and they're choosing to enjoy it, I love that. And God wants that for us. Right? He's created you for this life. He's made you who you are. He's given you the space, this world to be explored, your hobbies, the things you enjoy. And he enjoys when you take time to enjoy them. Right? And he wants that for you. But also when we prioritize rest, it helps us keep God first. Right? When we choose to work instead, when we choose to go, I need to make more money or I need to get more things done, it teaches our soul that we are in charge of our life that we need to do more work to take care of things, that we need to, to spend more time doing whatever it is to take care of us. But when we choose to rest, it teaches our soul, we're not in charge. God's our provider. God's going to take care of this. I don't need to spend my time doing that. I need to spend my time doing what he's asked of me, and that's to rest. The promise is still there that when we seek his kingdom first, which involves rest, everything else will be taken care of, right? And now, rest won't just happen. Right? We say how easy life gets full, right? And so if you don't prioritize it, if you don't go into your calendar and automate your Sabbath by blocking a time off and saying, this is the time I will rest, it will never happen, right? Because you're like, well, I'll get there. I'll rest tomorrow or I'll rest the next day, right? And then the next day has more things going on. Right? And I think God enjoys it so much that even if we know that there's work to be done, you know, it's not like life-threatening stuff, um, and we go, you know what, God, you're going to handle all that, and I'm just going to rest, it shows so much faith in who he is. Right now, your rest will probably look different than other people's rest. Victoria and I's rest looks very different. Um, I like to be around people. I get recharged being around people. She would rather rest away from people. Um, I'm not good at being still. Like, so a lot of my rest involves doing something, going out into the woods and, and hiking or riding my bike or just being in nature. Right? But that's what's rest to me. Right? And her rest is different than my rest. And your rest will probably be different as well. Right? Maybe reading a book on, the, you know, on your couch, which really means napping. Uh, you know, that's what my, my dad loves to read his books. Um, but uh, you know, maybe it's gardening. Maybe it's just sitting on your patio. Maybe it's playing a game with your family or, you know, just doing whatever God has given you to enjoy. Now, there is a caveat. Some of you, uh, like, yes, God has directed us to rest, but he also has commanded us to work. Okay, so if you only find yourself resting, Maybe this part of the message isn't so much for you, you know, um, right? and you can find some work to do. For the most part, we work too much and we work too hard in our world, and we need to schedule time and guard that time to rest. 
Now, the last thing the first church there we read about in Acts 2 was devoted to was to giving, to taking care of the needs around them. Like I previously said, our values and our devotion or our priorities, they can be seen in our calendars. They can be seen in our social media accounts, but they can also be seen in our bank accounts. Right? Last week, we discussed how our soul will be closer to whatever feeds it. And I think this is very much reflected in how and where we spend our money. Right? When our money is only going towards things that's our needs and our wants, our soul will very much continue to be self-focused. But if we take care of God's desires and we take care of his kingdom, our soul will be kingdom-focused and God-focused. Now, before continuing, I want to say that I am impressed. I am proud of the church here for what we have given, for stepping up, for increasing our missions giving, for the families that we have taken care of, and the many times we posted that there's a need out there and people have stepped up and given to it. Um, and some of you maybe have started giving this last year for the first time ever to church, and I want to say great job with that. So this isn't, you know, a beat up everybody type of message thing. This is us talking about what God tells us to prioritize. Now, as a church, I would still love to be able to do so much more as a church for the community around us. Now, I was convicted one day while I was, I was working on a sermon, and I was reading through the book of Haggai, and in chapter 1, 3 through 9, it says this. It says, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for a rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. And some of those things felt a little too familiar to me at times in my life. Right? Where it's like, man, I worked so hard, yet it feels like none of my money is staying around. Or things just keep coming up, and, and stuff happens in my life that I'm not ready for, and it feels like I'm putting my money in pockets with holes. Right? But God says when we honor him by seeking his kingdom first, by building his house over on that he'll take care of us. Right? This is something we need to be devoted to. Right? Not just giving and taking care of those around us when we have extra money, or when we remember, but being devoted to it. Right? Some of you are thinking, well, why would I give it to the church if I can just take care of things myself? And that's great. You should do that as well. Um, Gabriel and Jamie just you know, talked about it. they gave a blanket to a homeless person that was they saw that was cold, like, we should be doing those things, right? Um, but imagine what we can do together, right? Your small amount of money you feel like wouldn't make a big difference, or your amount of money that you want to give may not feel like a whole lot if you give it on your, by your own, but if we pool all of that together, it can make a large impact into our community, into the needs around us. Right? We aren't a church that asks for money to do more for us. Um, right? Man, I would love to, like, triple or hundred triple, I don't know if that's a word, but our benevolence fund, right, to, to take care of the people around us. We get many, many calls of people in need that we would love to help, and we can't always do it. But imagine what God can do with your money instead of you doing it yourself. Right? One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Right? He takes this little boy's lunch, 
right? So it was like a couple of tiny pieces of bread, a couple of fish. And he feeds technically probably like 10,000 plus because there's 5,000 men. Many of them are there with their wives and their children, right? And he feeds them with the little boy's lunch. And what I love about that story is the thing that had to happen was that lunch had to go through the hands of Jesus. And then it was divided up and it somehow fed everybody. And when we take our resources and we put them through the hands of Jesus, they get multiplied and they do more than we could ever imagine. And there's still a promise here that God will take care of us. When we take care of his things, he'll take care of our things. Just like Sabbath rest is a reminder to our soul that we aren't in control, that God will take care, of our, take care of our needs if we honor his commands to rest, and it helps us keep God number one. When we give our money to God, it reminds our soul that God is number one, right? Not us, that we are not the providers, that God is the provider. Now, I believe this wholeheartedly. This isn't something that I preach. This is something that I live, something we live. We've lived I don't think there's a moment in my life where I wasn't giving to the church, but there also hasn't been a moment in my life that I've been lacking. And I can have story after story after story of God's provision doing something way bigger than I could ever do with my own money. And now he has always cared for us. We've never had the highest paying jobs. We usually make enough to get by, but somehow when I look around my life and I feel like God is taking care of us in amazingly like, abundant and wonderful ways. Our, our cars seem to last a long time. Our clothes don't waste away as fast as I feel like they could, you know? And, and these things in God tends to lead us to the right things at the right time to provide for our needs. I mean, I've shared before, there was a time where um, I had a kind of an accident and I needed to have mouth surgery and I didn't have, home, or I didn't have uh, dental insurance and uh, it was gonna cost thousands of dollars and... Um, we started, like, God, like, like my mouth was swollen on the inside, and there was a whole bunch of issues from it, and I couldn't just, like, continue to live with it. And at the time, like, we didn't have very much money. And um, a uh, hailstorm happened in Iowa, and uh, we had insurance on our car. And, but there was, like, no dents. Like, I couldn't find any hail damage, and my dad was like, you should just take it in anyways, have it looked at. And um, so we took it in, and they found micro dents. I, I don't really know what that means, um, but they ended up giving us a check for like $5,000 um, from our insurance, and then, and that, that was like, that's going to be enough to cover it, but then even crazier is my job opened up um, benefits in the middle of the year, which never has happened in the time that I had been there, um, just as like a random thing, they're like, yeah, we just want to open up the opportunity to get benefits again, so I signed up for dental insurance, and it ended up only costing us like 200 bucks, right, and God does that so much in my life. And I want that for you guys, right? I'm not here saying, give me your money. I'm not trying to buy a new car or get a raise or something, you know. Um, I want what God has for you because I know what he's done for me. And I know that, that it helps me, it helps keep me in check when I'm giving my 10% plus away to God every month because I know that he is going to do so much more with it than I could ever do. Right, and I don't want you to feel like you have to give me your money and test this, right? And I've said this before on another time that we've talked about giving, like, I want you guys to experience this for your life. And if you're like, I don't want to give it to the guy who preached a message on money, like, I get that. The world's crazy. Find another church and give your money to them. Find another ministry and be devoted to giving to it and watch God bless your life. 
right? Because he'll take care of us just as much as I'm telling you that he will take care of you. God is going to take care of this church because he's our provider. And I'm not worried about those things. But I want you guys to have a life that doesn't feel overfull. So how do we automate the important here? In the world we live in, we have online giving, online payments for everything, and we have that for church. Um, you can set up auto-giving just like you do your Netflix because we know you're devoted to that. Uh, right? No, but seriously, you can get in our app. You can go online. You can set it up to give every month, every week, whatever it is. Just start somewhere. I'm sure the other ministries out there that you maybe want to support have the same things. Um, you can start with supporting our missionaries. You can go directly to giving to them. You don't even have to filter it through the church if you don't want to. Um, but get devoted and automate it, right? Like, most, how many of most of your bills are automated, right? Like, it just it happens. Maybe you have a list of, like, these are the days all my money comes out, um, right? It's no different to just give to the church that way. Or maybe you're, you still sit down and you go, okay, I got paid today, and I got to pay all my bills. And you sit down and just add the church into that of whatever you're going to give, that you do it on that day. Right? But start somewhere. And if you're wanting to know where to start, biblically speaking, it's always been 10%. Realistically speaking, God asked for 100. So, you know, find a good what fits for you. Maybe you, can, uh, maybe you can't start at 10 right now. Right? Just start somewhere and expect God to provide that you will get there. Man, I believe that God is our provider. I know he's our provider, and I know that he is for this church, and I want it to be for you as well. A friend of mine uh, posted this on Facebook the other day. He says, spiritual practices are only helpful if you practice them. Like all practice, consistent, engaged participation is key. We can't fully reap the benefits of something we never really commit to. Right? Do you know the studies show that Changing one habit or replacing a bad habit can lead to even more better habits. That once one is replaced, it becomes easier for your mind to replace other habits. It becomes more open to like, oh, we can do this. And literally like chemically changes all of your other things in your brain so that new habits can be learned. One of the statistic pages I was uh, following says that those who attend church four times a month or more are more likely to read the Bible every day than those who attend less frequently. And if you start some of these habits, they're going to make your other habits easier to do. Right? And I believe all of these things are important. That's why they were all devoted to them and, and why they saw God working in their lives. You know, and maybe you feel a little overwhelmed. Like, there's a lot of things to, to put in, on my plate right now. I encourage you to pick one and start somewhere, but put all the things there so you get the reminders so that you're aware and you can start to make that happen in your life you haven't. Um, Noah has a thing that he always says that if uh, so you're like, man, I can't figure this out or you're, you're having an issue, he goes, is it a skill issue or a will issue? And uh, I found a, a thing that says that willpower is a muscle. It's not a skill. We all have willpower. And the more you use it, the stronger it becomes and it will touch everything in your life. And if you believe you can change and understand that you have everything from God, and all your actions are moving towards the change you want to see, it will become a reality. One of the best things is that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And God gives that freely. That you can say, God, I want to do these things, but I don't know if I can. I need self-control today. 
And he will come in and do that for us. I love that Acts 2, 47 ends with, and daily there were people being added to the church. Right, because if we devote ourselves to the things of God, not only will it change our own lives, but it will change the lives of the people around you. Right, your alarms, your notifications, they're going to be your cues. It's a reminder to, to do the thing, right? Whatever it is that you would start building that habit in motion. And I believe, like so much so, that the reward that you get from devoting yourself to God is going to be more than worth it. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for everything you are to us, God. You're a God full of grace and mercy that, you know, as we start to build these habits in our life and maybe put some new things in place that we haven't done before, that we, I know that we'll slip up, God. I know that we'll have a, an off day or a messed up week, God, but, but that you offer grace. You call us back to it. God, I always pray that you would just help us to be people who get back up and just keep trying, Lord. I pray that you would make it easy for us, Lord, this first couple weeks. As we build these habits, as we get into our Bible, as we pray, as we uh, devote ourselves to coming to church, to giving, to spending time with one another, and to rest. God, that we would find these things come easy. God, that the reward of being with you would be so sweet that we would desire to do it again. And I pray for amazing encounters with you and all of these things we're devoting to. God. That we would see your faithfulness, that we would see your promise to us. God, help us to rearrange our lives to get, our, to get the first things first. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I remember next week is our anniversary service. Um, invite some people. You got door hangers. We have more of them. If you want to hit your whole block, that would be awesome. I'm inviting people, so grab some on your way out um, and uh, go automate the importance.